0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look, we're all here. We're all trying to build something big. We're all trying to build something bigger than ourselves. And in order to do that, we've got to build a culture and a company that extends past ourselves. So how do you do that? That's a million-dollar question, in some cases a billion-dollar question, and it's what I'm going to be having a conversation about today. And Before we get too far into it, I do need to let you know that today's episode of Start a Puzzle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably and doing it within a culture that has a purpose-driven way about it. Now, with me today, I've got Bill Brandmeier. Now, Bill is the VP of Community Relations and Impact and also the founding executive director at ShareWaves. ShareWaves is powered by sports radio, 810 WHB. For those of you not in Kansas City, that's one of our main AM sports talk radio stations. It's been around. I've been listening to it for over 40 years. And ShareWaves is a public charity that works to enrich young lives with the power of sports. We're going to talk about all of that. But first, let's welcome Bill Brandmeier. Bill, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be a part of the Startup Hustle. What uh, an what incredible podcast you've created and, and just sharing this incredible information. Being an entrepreneur, it's a lonely game and, and having someone like you to kind of lean on and, and, and listen to and help guide is, is uh, really a, a strike in the right direction. So thanks for what you do.
0: I appreciate it, and it's and it 's grown much like I mentioned it 's grown past myself i 've got so I, I I do want to take a second to thank the other hosts that we 've added lauren Conway Andrew Morgans, my often co host Matt Watson, and soon to be hosting new and upcoming episodes, Roy Scott from healthy hip hop now bill I, you know i I've, I've, I've known you and your family for a little bit I, our our families are have been around Kansas City for oh man, like a hundred plus years and, and all of that. And you've had, the, you've had a great opportunity to you and your family. Ha, you have been uh, around some of the most successful entrepreneurs that Kansas City has from you and Kaufman to your own father. And, and different, and different folks. And, you know, before we get into that, let me give you the mic and let's get a little bit about your backstory. This folks strap in, this might take a little bit because we've got, we've got a lot of exposure to a lot of really awesome stuff here. So Bill, where do you want to start?
1: I appreciate it. I'm one of eight kids, um, crazy, um, incredible parents um, that uh, just wanted to always have a big family. And uh, my dad started off um, early on in his life being a, a, a butcher. He was a Kansas City butcher, he worked for uh, different meat packing companies, worked his way through Rockhurst College, um, got a degree, uh, went out and started selling for uh, a small little startup here in Kansas City called Marion Laboratories. And uh, He kind of worked that into a a really amazing career. Um, I can remember as a young kid um, going over to Ewan Coffin's house and just sitting um, at his, it felt like as a kid at his feet, uh, listening to him uh, articulate what it was he was trying to do with Marion Laboratories and kind of growing up in that culture. Um, we were referred to as Marion kids because of the special culture that they created at that organization. And my dad was really mentored by Ewing Kaufman, um, shortly after, um, you know, experiencing some success, he, he went out on his own and started his own meat business here in Kansas city and then got in the restaurant business. And by the time he was 35 years old, my dad had eight kids and he was bankrupt, uh, lost everything. Um, we, we struggled to, uh, you know, keep jeans and clothes on us. Uh, we, I can remember as a young, young kid, um, with my brothers and sisters really struggling through the whole process of what my dad was going to do. Um, he went back to Ewing Kaufman, um, and asked him for a sales territory because he knew he could make enough money for his family and provide for us if he sold. And Ewing sat him down and told him that if he was ever going to learn how to run his own business, he had to invest himself in marketing and in product management and understanding the the, the, really the soft side of how you develop a a company and a culture. And it's not all about sales driven. Um, There's this market analysis and and market research and, and understanding of the customer and the customer needs. That that go way beyond um, your ability to talk your way through a sales call, and um, you know, with that, he went back into product management, came up on the marketing side. He had the sales background. Pretty soon, he was the um, president of a subsidiary for Ewing Kaufman. Ewing Kaufman asked him; it was a fifty million dollar sub sub you know sub business for for Marion Laboratories. My dad did an evaluation of the business. He told Ewing to sell. 45 million, 45, you know, 95% of this company, there's a $5 million product line that, um, you know, he felt like needed to needed to be um, sold. And my dad uh, decided to buy that product line. And um, so in 1985, he started off doing his own thing with his, uh, now with, with his marketing background, he created Metaflex, which was the, you know, the company that produced antiseptics to kill bacteria on the skin. And um, he uh, grew that business over the course of the next 20 years uh, to to really meet the needs of healthcare, Um, eventually taking a product through the um, FDA to get approval that revolutionized skin prepping in healthcare. And now any hospital that you go to in the United States, they use a product called Chloroprep. It replaced iodine and alcohol as the primary skin prep for all of of healthcare's procedures. And the reason why is because the antiseptic did a much better job of protecting the patient from infection. Really cool story, incredible business. We uh, grew the product line for about eight years while we had it. Um, eventually realizing that in order to get the product out into the marketplace, we needed to get it into the hands of a sales force that could really mobilize and and push this into places within healthcare that we couldn't reach as a small company. And we sold uh, in in 2008, we sold the business to Cardinal Health. And uh, since then, it's been about uh, 12 years now. Uh, My family has been looking for ways to impact the, the city in a lot of different ways. And uh, we've invested in a lot of different areas. Um, obviously, uh, invested in our city, um, trying to make sure that Kansas City is is our home for for the rest of our lives, and this is where we raise our families. and um, And my family is just in love with Kansas City, and and um, trying to do good with what we have.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, so are we. And and I'll be so. If you're from Kansas City, you've heard of you and Kaufman, and a lot of people know. Mr. K as he's known cuz he was the owner of the Kansas City Royals um as in the major league baseball team Kansas City Royals uh and the the complex that the Royals and Chiefs play at is the Kauffman Sports Complex and uh as and it goes a lot deeper than that because once again and I'm setting up a little background cuz you know the the believe it or not, the lion's share of our listeners are are all from outside Kansas City. So I try to set some context. That, okay. Thanks for listening. I mean, we get people from 190 I countries. So I, I sometimes I have to tell a little Kansas City story and remind people that we're not just cowboys and cows because there's a real city here, which people ask me when I travel internationally. So now Mr. K and Kaufman and you know he ran a very a very uh successful pharmaceutical business and medical supplies and that was what your 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 family uh, branched into but you know Mr. K left a legacy for entrepreneurs here in Kansas City and most notably known from the Kaufman Foundation which is lives in perpetuity and Does amazing things for entrepreneurs in Kansas City that does a lot to support different organizations, whether it's as a donor or providing, you know, literal stuff that people that entrepreneurs participate in. And you know i and and there's so many people that have participated and continue to participate in the Kaufman Foundation and be involved with it along with other things that run parallel to it, you know other successful uh, we'll almost say like patriarchs of entrepreneurship here in Kansas city, you know, you, you know, Barnett Helsberg reaches out and does a lot of different stuff. And there's all these things that have, have, have continued to, like I said, run parallel, run with, and do so much stuff that has made my hometown and where my family's from. And, you know, we have a great love for Kansas city, but so proud of the startup and entrepreneur scene. And I feel like so much of that Uh, wouldn't be where it is if we didn't have organizations like those that get people started early. You know, I mean, they work with young kids and adults and it doesn't matter if you're six or you're 60 that these foundations and companies reach out and have an impact. And much, you know, one of the things, and this is what we'll get into is talking about that purpose driven culture is Mr. K was really known for that is, is having this amazing culture and building companies the way that they need to be built. I mean, and is that something that you were witnessing from, you mentioned being part of, of the, of the kids and the, and the crew at a young age. I mean, where did that, where did you start to notice that?
1: Well, it's no, it, it's no doubt that, that the systems that have been created in Kansas City comes directly from you and Coffin, and and what what Wendy Gillis, the head of Coffin Foundation, has created is the preeminent foundation in Can, in, in in the United States on entrepreneurism and and promoting and the fast track, uh, has been amazing. Um, early on, I I can remember, you know, the stories being told of how Ewing would interview the wife. Uh, it was a really important interview to have the salesperson come in and, and have the, you know, have that interview and know that this was the right candidate for the job, but the husband or wife was just as important to them. And and obviously the culture back then was, was different than it is now. And, 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 um, you know, I don't want to, you know, Even get into that kind of you know discussion about what was right or wrong, but but it for Ewing it was a a matter of they were hiring a family, and and he wanted the 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 family to understand that when someone went to work for Marion Laboratories, they were dedicating themselves to a really incredible pathway into a career of success, but it was going to take a lot of hard work, and they were going to be asked a lot, and if they were going to be asked a lot he thought it was really appropriate to interview both sides, you know, the whole family, because this was a, a commitment to their company. And it, I can remember that as a kid. Um, like I said, I can remember sitting in a room with Ewing Kaufman and every him holding court, um, you know, talking about the culture that, that he wanted to have and, and that he had built. And, um, you know, you mentioned Barnett Hillsberg; He was one of Ewing Kaufman's best friends and, and, you know, hit the hemp, uh, you know, Hellsberg entrepreneurial uh, mentorship program it has, uh, you know, impacted countless entrepreneurs in Kansas City, um, and you know, one of the great things that people always talk about Ewing Kaufman is how many people he how many millionaires he created through his, um, you know, his process through his company and through his outreach. And, um, you know, I'm certainly one of the fortunate ones that got to be associated with him and, and blessed to be in the family that I'm in, not only blessed because we're a family that is built on love. We love one another. We, we hold each other accountable and, and, and we're, o- you know, we're open and honest and, and uh, authentic. If you ever met a Brandmeier, you know, that we talk, you know, we're not trying to cover anything. I mean, we are our warts. We are who we are, um, and um, but that really came through because you know early on in my life, I watched my dad, you know, work for a company that had a purpose as its primary piece of its culture. So it was it was awesome.
0: You know, we talk about purpose driven, and I think a lot of people don't. You know, there there's there's so much value. In this, in the purpose driven attitude. So what does that even mean? And you know, I and it was it was about a year and a half ago when I truly honestly, you know, this is, I don't want to say it's a brand new concept to me, but it was about a year and a half ago when I really wrapped my arms around it, because I was at the CEO retreat last year. Um, here that's held by the Kansas city tech council. And there was a speaker talking about a purpose driven life and the purpose, a purpose driven life is good for the employee. It's good for the company. And it's also good for the customers and clients of the company. Cause when people wake up every day and they feel like they have a purpose, that they're not just a cog in a machine or, or, you know, like, Hey, I'm just a, I'm just a body. I'm just, you know, you, you remember that old, uh, the, old, the Jetsons cartoon and, uh, and, uh, you know, George Jetson would come home and he'd be like, Oh, I work for cogs well all day. And all I did was I pushed that button seven times. And that was like his whole purpose. And it was, it felt very shallow and hollow. So the idea of a purpose-driven life is, is the understanding that what you do in an organization does in fact matter and it is important now. Companies that have that truly have a purpose-driven attitude have remarkable success when it comes to all sides. They have much higher retention rates. Their clients and customers report a very, very, like an, an astonishing, like level of success and happiness. And it's the idea. And so we started embracing that at, at Matt Watson and I's company full scale for our own employees. And we started. And so with that, we were suggested to be obsessed with the client success. Now that could be different in your company. In our case, we're a service provider. So we're, was, was that a similar attitude that that mr k had and what you grew around is like that by the way being obsessed with the success doesn't mean it doesn't mean sacrificing your own happiness it means just caring about what you're doing and having pride and ownership
1: yeah i think you know if the personal journey the um, you know a, a purpose-driven life you know trying to figure out what god has blessed us with the talents that we have that we have to utilize to 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 make this world a better place i I think we're all on that journey um, uh, in one way or another either either we're ignoring it and and just kind of living our lives without Noticing it, or or investing in it, and really trying to capture, you know, what is it that I'm good at? Um, what are the things that about me that I should try to, you know, work on and and make a, you know, change to to make myself better? How do I become a better dad? Um, how do I take the mistakes I've made and, and and rework them so that the next time I I face that ad, ad, ad adversity, I can find success? So, um, I, you know, certainly the purpose driven life personal journey is a part of a corporate personal, I mean, pr- uh, purpose-driven co- culture, um, I think it's really important for an entrepreneur to kind of invest a little time and energy into understanding what it is that they're all about and what they want to do to make the world a better place. You know, Ewan Kaufman knew that he what he wanted to do was he wanted to meet doctors where they were at, and he wanted to, do, to make sure that the products that he was delivering, um, you know, made a difference in the lives of the people that they were they were um, you know serving and, and, and selling to and, and uh, he built his whole company around that. In, in, in our experience as a family, not only did, I'm one of eight kids, it, we all worked for Metaflex. So my dad you know, created this entrepreneurial opportunity and we all went to work for him. And things turned, the tables turned for all of us at Metaflex, when we decided that we were there to save lives, we were there to save people's lives. We had antiseptics and and things that helped healthcare workers prevent infections that killed people. And so it was to arm yourself with that kind of motivation to go out and make a sales call. You're looking at these infection control doctors and in infectious disease practitioners and in different nurses and and uh, people that do these tasks, and you're you're you're. You're showing up to save lives. It it really positions your sales call in a whole different way, and it led to an incredible amount of success. Um, it helped to have a great product. You got to have a great product, and I think that's what you know. You, you found with with your developers. Uh, you know, you're investing in the cop is in the customers' product. That has to be the first thing you think of. You can't think of your own you know the developer's own pathway you have to invest in in your customers that way and i find that really a special thing that you guys have done and probably the uh, reason why you're successful
0: well it has to do, for us we want a triple win you know we want obviously we want to win for the client because if the client isn't winning they're not going to stay a client and and but with us you know one of the one of the imperfect things about our business model is actually us as people because we all have different interests, skills, we have our strengths, we have our weaknesses. You talk about what can I work on? How do I improve and how can I make a difference? Well, all of those are answered by by with doing what we're passionate about and embracing it. Now you talk about, we're, we're discussing how to create a purpose-driven culture. And you talked about, you know, working at Metaflex and and you're working to save people's lives. And, you know, and you can look at Metaflex. I mean, these are surgical products. These are, you know, and some of these, I don't know what a lathroscopic instrument is, but I know that I know that it's used for something that, that matters. And that's, the, but that's, it all starts with your own perspective on what you're trying to do. Right. And when I say that, like, so if that salesperson at MetaFlex shows up and says, I sell widgets, because by the way, when you go to business school and you're in any class, the Acme Corp sells widgets.
1: Widgets, right. We all
0: learned that. Yeah. But here's the thing is so they're immediately conditioning us to look at, well, we all work for Acme Corp and we all sell widgets and it's boring and who cares. And I'm here to make a sale and earn a commission. And that's not purpose driven. Right. And you know, the, the, and you know what? Guess what? Uh, most people, unfortunately, show up to their jobs and they work for Acme Corp and sell widgets, or make widgets, or market widgets. And it needs to go a step past that if you want to have purpose a purpose driven culture. And look, you'll change the face of your entire company if you can if you can take this approach. And you have to mean it. And, and, you know, that's, that's the thing is like, in in Metaflex's case, hey, we're doing things that make people's lives. And it could be as simple as like, okay, here's a, here's a, um, here's something that uh, is a hip replacement. And you can look at that as a widget made by Acme Corp, or you can look at that as something that legitimately changed someone's life. Like, I mean, if you've ever, if you have ever been around someone that needed something like that, and now all of a sudden they got it, you're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And, and is, is that is, are, are those actual real life tangible examples of, of how you, you believe that would be applied in the businesses you've been around?
1: Well, I'll I'll tell you, you talk about purpose being something that um, impacts the bottom line. You don't, you don't set off, you don't set out to uh, to create a purpose-driven strategy, in hopes that you, uh, you know, that it's going to, uh, you know, profit you, uh, you know, better. Most entrepreneurs wake up every day trying to keep the lights on. You know, they, they, they're not thinking purpose. They're thinking that if I don't make this sale today, I'm not going to be able to pay my people on Friday. So it, it, and, and so it's a, it takes a really hard step back. To be able to institute some sort of purpose-driven cultural, you know, shift, um, if if you haven't started that way, um, but but incredibly, uh, you know, the the people that have that innately that bring it to the table, um, and can instill that in the people that they, uh, you know, hire and 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 train, um, they end up benefiting. That the stats are really clear. You mentioned them. I mean, it's it's uh, pretty clear that the people that found their company on a purpose, trying to make this world a better place, you know, end up being more successful. Um personal how, how do you do
0: that? Like what, what are some of the things that, you know, and it's cause, cause there's the thing, let's be, let's be real here, Bill. It's, it's easy for us to say, Hey, you got to get everyone to wake up and care. Right. But, but, but that's, that's, a, that's a lot harder than. Then, uh, you know, I I was talking the other day, I was telling someone that the moment that I, re- 10 years ago, I had that light, I had a light bulb moment where I let go of the fact that my employees would ever care about the business as much as I did. And, you know, that's okay. That's, I mean, I mean, cause I care a lot. I mean, if you, when you own it, you have a vested interest in it, but at the same time, you know, I, I, for me, I try to find ways to, to let the people, you gotta have the, in my opinion, you gotta have the, a way for the people that are involved with it to, to share in the wins and to really understand that. What, where do you start?
1: Well, my, my, my personal journey has a lot of personal struggle and a lot of overcoming personal struggle and and attempts to make myself better every single day. You know, 22 years ago, I um, finally took the last drink that I've, I I pray I will ever take the rest of my life. I'm, I'm sober. I've worked 12 steps, Uh, multiple times with multiple sponsors. And that whole experience, you know, drives you into this level of, of, uh, you know, understanding your strengths and weaknesses, really diving into, to to, uh, try to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at, what, what God would, you know, help, you know, help, guide you through, you know, kind of making that transformation. The fourth step is all about taking an inventory. And I think if an entrepreneur has the time and the ability to sit down and take a, a, a real strong inventory of who and what their business is and what their, you know, what their goals are, they can establish some goal of, of benefiting the world, making the world a better place, and that's where you kind of have to start. Um, what is it that I have that I um, you know can use to make the world a better place? Um, with with us, we we had a line of antiseptic skin preps that did a better job of killing bacteria on the skin and lasted for forty eight hours and, and, and prevented um, infection from growing. It was pretty clear that what when you when a hospital switched to our product they had lower infection rates we were able to prove that clinically in study after study after study we we shattered the gold standard of skin prepping iodine was used for 45 50 years as the primary skin prep throughout healthcare it's like trying to replace q tips with something better you you have to shake the, you know you have to really shake the foundation of healthcare in order to, to get doctors to to let go of what they've been using for 40 years but with evidence and with clinical research and with with equipping our sales reps with the right messaging um, we were able to do that and i think any company that starts off trying to think you know how can we uh, create purpose within our organization they have to start with some sort of inventory of who and what they are and what what they're what they're good at
0: so let's let's talk for a minute about share waves and what you're doing there, because, you know, that's it, you talk about creating per, the giving back. And it, I, I feel like share waves is is possibly something you've created because you've seen so many other mentors and people around you cre- create things that, well, with an intention to last. I mean, right. now, uh, Mr. K hasn't been with us for, what, 30 years <laughs> is that is that about right?
1: Yeah, not, I think eighty. Yeah, thirty years
0: in that ballpark, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're looking at things that are, I mean, lasting and still yeah. impactful. And so I mean, it's,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, That's and that, so that you know that creating that legacy item and doing something that it's either bigger than you. And by the way, if you want to do something that is quote truly meaningful. Now I'm not saying that you, you really, it's got to extend past your own ability to do that, but you know, we can not get too far off track. So what do you, what, what is Sharewaves and how are you creating some, some purpose in and around, in and around that organization? So
1: when, when we sold the business, we were all kind of figuring out what the rest of our lives were looking at. And, and I, uh, have pursued trying to build something for the last 12 years, it's uh, I started off. I, I've opened and closed four restaurants. Um, I thought it was a good idea to have a major music festival here in the Midwest. That failed. I I have um, you know tried to create a nonprofit that helped other nonprofits with their with with their marketing and and use my marketing expertise to try to help uh, nonprofits grow and, and change. And and I did that for eight years. I, I established. Um, a, a nonprofit called Casey Creative. Uh, we basically helped. We were a, 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 a you know a, an agency that provided uh, marketing services for nonprofits, and we created a lot of videos, built some websites, tried to tried to establish. ourselves, could not get the funding we needed. I, I self-funded this thing for eight years. The best thing we did was a, a radio broadcast once a week called Casey Cares. We're on the radio uh, three o'clock every Monday afternoon. Uh, for an hour uh, they, we were on 15 10 a.m no one listened to us but we interviewed nonprofits every single week three different nonprofits let them tell their story, let them engage with the community, hopefully creating some kind of content that would they could push out um, to through their social media that, experience showed me that there was a huge opportunity to try to do something special with Union Broadcasting 810 WHB. Their sports talk radio station here in the Midwest, they, 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 they basically dominate it. For 21 years, they've been the dominant sports talk radio station, have relationships with all the major teams, athletes, everything. I sat down with their executives and I said I think we could create a foundation that impacted Kansas City in a big way if we just single focused our foundation. They've had foundations in the past. They they were jack of all trades serving all different kinds of messaging, all different kinds of nonprofits. And so we set out to to create a, an organization that focused on using sports for good. Um, and and you know we naturally kind of fell into youth sports because When I did the research on what was happening in youth sports today, I found out that 70% of all kids quit youth sports by the age of 13. That's 70% of all of the kids, 35 to 40 million kids play sports up until the age of 13. And at 13, as they go into high school, they decide they're either not having fun, they're not good enough, or someone's told them that they should be doing something else or they're going to play an instrument, you know, go into theater, do debate, play chess, all of those great options obviously. But there's a large majority of kids who just drop out of sports and miss out on this incredible place to learn life skills that propel them into a successful life. And if you ask anyone that has experienced high school and college sports, they will tell you whether they were you know, ever going to make it to the league or not ever going to make it, you know, as a profession that what they learned by being a part of a team, by setting goals, by creating opportunities to fail and learn from those mistakes, by having a mentor at their side, helping them build confidence and understanding, help them listen, help them speak with confidence. These are all things that the sports gives us as a society And there are 70% of kids that are dropping out at age 13, missing out on those opportunities. So it was just a natural that we would create a foundation that was focused on trying to advance opportunities for kids to play sports. Then, as I dug in, I realized that the haves and the have nots, where well, there's a huge gap, and that there were kids within our city that weren't just missing out on sports because they were choosing not to do sports, there's an access problem. they are there are barriers to getting kids involved in sports in our city that shouldn't be there. And you know one of those biggest barriers is transportation, and and um, you know the other one is is you know getting kids into an environment where they can grow and learn with a coach that understands how to how to impact a kid, and so those are two areas where Shareways feels like they can do a lot of of, of uh, work. We can we can create opportunities for kids to get to sporting events and to uh, find their ways to enter the right leagues and into the right games so that they can be on the field and play, and. You know, I can go in and talk about the the impact youth sports has on our society and and everything that it does. I can also talk about some of the negatives in youth sports and and how we need to uh, really seriously think about how we're treating uh, travel sports and and prof- the professionalization of sports and and uh, and all of that. But but really, the bottom line is that there are kids in our inner city, especially with COVID. COVID has made the the haves and the have-nots. You know, that gap has just uh, increased exponentially. Um, Not only because of uh, um, just the the dire uh, situation that is in uh, under-resourced households, but, um, you know, just the fact that we've also, you know, had to shut down sports for a temporary period of time and and now the uptake is still controlled by social distancing and and all the different rules that we have to follow in order to keep our society safe and and so it's just a natural that that share waves dives into this issue and and starts trying to make a difference
0: yeah i've been around sports my whole life and you know honestly i i I'm, I was average I was average to slightly above average at best. I was blessed too, with being buddy. tall. <laughs> I was blessed with being tall. That was about all I had. I I I, I, I didn't have a whole lot going for me past I was that. Quick but... and
1: I was quick and tenacious. People hated me. But,
0: you know the 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 thing that's important about sports, and all right. So I I'll just kind of jump for it. I love hiring people that have a history of having played team sports, and I love high or people that have been involved in the military, and I'll take both. If I get both of them, I'm great. And the reason why is uh, is. OK, look, if you want to grow as a professional, as an entrepreneur, as a business or a leader, you have to be able to take you have to be able to be coached. You have to be able to take feedback. And then you understand, like you like you were mentioning, the team mechanics. And one of the things we're so big at at full scale. So, you know, we have full scale U.S. and we have full scale in Cebu. And and what we try, you talk about that purpose driven uh, lifestyle is, you know, we all work for each other. And, you know, I hate it when, when my employees are like, Hey boss, I'm like, who are you talking to? You know, I work, I, I work with you. You don't work, you don't work for me. You work with me. And with that, that team sports mentality is especially here. Cause we, we do a lot of the sales and, and different stuff that involves a lot more intimate relationship with our clients. We don't care who puts the points on the board. Like in many ways we, we are, we, we push the culture in which, uh you have uh, you know like the assist is more valuable than the score it's easy to put the ball in the bucket if the ball's already up there by the rim yeah. you know like hey i just tapped it in it was harder to get it up near yeah. there and then i'll give you an example so our our chief marketing officer who also owns mixtape the game which we've invested in he was a sergeant in in the in the army and his job was to pack parachutes <laughs> so when I went to hire someone, I'm like, okay, so you're reliable, I'm assuming. And he goes, yeah, because in that job, if you're not, they actually put you in jail. And <laughs> so, but, but you look at that, that level of, you know, the, the thing is, is, and I was never in the military, but I'll tell you what, the, the employees that I've had that were, they're on time. They're yeah. structured. They about. they understand. They're like, you know, that and, you know, those things. And it's the same thing with sports. It's like you, you don't need to always know why you're doing it, but you need to know who you're doing it with and what we're trying to accomplish. And there's a lot to be said with that. And I'm not going to I'm not taking a, a, a shot at, at people that didn't play team sports, but I've had a couple of employees that were. They're like, hey, I was a cross-country guy. Now, those people had an endurance and a mental skill, but oftentimes didn't have they, they, Mm. it was, it was very singular. And so, you know, it made them good at different things. But but really in the end, I mean, still, still this day, the most impactful employees that I've had were were involved in one of those two things. So I commend you for what you're doing there. And and and, you know, here's the thing, it's tough. It's tough. Like it's amazing how hard it is. (laughs) To just give stuff away on some yeah, it, day, it, or it, just, it, like it, do good it, things,
1: it, it's it's difficult, and and it's a it's a it's an area where there are a lot of uh, people that are trying to meet needs of of kids throughout the city, and and so you have to be able to collaborate and, and understand that there's different purposes and different things that are working to. And and you know how do you create alliances that that do good, and how do you cr- collaborate with organizations that are already working towards stuff? I I have an incredible relationship with Dred Scott and the Boys and Girls Club and, and everything that they're doing, and um you know he's transformed that organization even though it was already thriving uh, to to impact kids. He's he's taken it to a different place because that's his been his focus for two years. Um we we want to partner with him and and help him. Um, But there are days when he's light years ahead of me, like, I I would just drag him down. And unless I can come to him with an incredible idea that's going to help, help him with what he's trying to get accomplished. It's better for me not to bother him, you know, but, but I need to come up with that idea. How am I going to engage with Boys and Girls Club to impact kids with the power of sports? How do I work with Operation Breakthrough to impact kids with the power of sports? How do I work with Della Lamb to impact kids with the power of sports? Those are organizations that are already impacting kids. City Year, I just got off the phone, you know, uh, talking with them this morning. They're a national organization that impacts kids with this incredible mentorship program. And and I talk to them all the time. How do we incorporate a love for sports in in these conversations there's a place for that but not maybe not at the top of their list you know i mean i have to i have to really be uh, my own uh you know find my own uh, ideas to push forward share waves is a brand new 501c3 we got our 501c3 approval in december of last year it took us a year to get it it was uh, one of those things where i didn't think it was going to take that long but i decided to go through the the long form of the 1023 whatever the irs in order to to, to achieve a certain level of, of of public charity standing we had a plan to do three different events this spring a golf tournament a a, a, a wiffle ball game with another organization called the battle within and then working with um noah's bandage project on Volley lama which charlie hustle is big behind we were we were partnering with Charlie Hustle and the Heart of Kansas City Foundation to to try to impact. COVID hit. We canceled all those events. We created uh, at home workouts and virtual training for kids called Ready to Play uh, content. That Ready to Play content drove us through the summer, and um, and and you know just kind of waiting on where where's our next thing to do. And you talked about how hard this is. This is hard. You know, and and it's it's hard for reasons that people
0: wouldn't expect. And that's the thing is, is, you know, you mentioned like how difficult it can be to give stuff away on some days. Now, look, it's not hard for me to wake up and and say, hey, here, I'm going to give stuff away. It's it's oftentimes the people, (laughs) the people, sometimes the people you're giving it away to or those that are observing and, you know, give it away differently you know, or, or whatever. And, and, you know, it's, it's shocked me because I've, I've always tried to be someone that, I don't know, like give something back or, and, you know, and it's not always in the way that you would, you would strategically think about it. Like, so I was in the event ticketing business for eight years. And at one point, you know, when we would have tickets that would go unsold, that would bother us. So we'd try to give them away to, to friends or people we know, and it would just blow my mind. People like, "Uh, can you come drop them off? I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like you want me to, you want me to wait, wait, you want this for, you want me to come bring it over to you? You're not even going to like swing by and like make it easy, you know? And, and that's not even a charitable example. And in your case in sports, and this is what, I mean, and we don't have to get too far off on this, but sports is so different. I'm 45 years old and I grew up in, you know, I played baseball here in, in Johnson County and in, in, in blue Valley, and we had a 13 game season. And I've got friends that have kids that are playing sixty-five games, and they're playing yeah. no, spring, it's... summer, and fall. And you get kids in eighth grade that need Tommy John surgery, and I'm like, and just that that landscape is changing. Honestly, it scares me a little bit because you talk about you talk about all these kids that are dropping out of sports. It's because in many in many leagues and in many ways, we're conditioning them. If they're not, hey, if you're not going pro or you're not going to get a Division One scholarship, then you're wasting your time. So get off the team and that's not the right way to approach it. Now, Would I have liked to have played more than 13 games a year? Sure. But there's no way, like, I don't understand how these parents and the kids, well, I don't even know how they have the time, effort, and energy to do that. And then you talk about opportunity costs. What other golden things are they giving up? Because you you went down a list. You said, there's so many things. So I played in band. I did a lot of different stuff. And I still played sports. But there's no way I would have been able to do a lot of that if all I did was, was was I mean, like, I'm serious, like 65 games for a fourth grader. Come on, like, no, that's half a major, almost half a major a, league season.
1: Yeah, we're demanding a lot of our kids. And, and I don't think we're going to change it. I It's, it's going to keep um, being that it way. Works. Um, it, <laughs> it, it, it works. It works. It could, but there are national organizations that are focused on uh, youth sports. There's a uh, the health and human services put out a national youth sports strategy that includes participation as its primary um, goal. Um, participation in sports is good for kids um, there. We can have, uh, you know, a sense that the elite athletes are going to find themselves in a more professional youth sports environment. Uh, but really where where we think we can do the most benefit the most good is in low low um, you know resource families that struggle with trying to pay six hundred to seven hundred dollars a season for their kid to play soccer or baseball you know basketball any of the sports that 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 are so expensive um, and you throw in a a pair of shoes and the right shorts and you know uh, all the equipment that it takes to play certain you know my kid wanted to play lacrosse. I mean, I happened to have the wherewithal to be able to outfit him. He ended up wanting to be the goalie. And so now he needs all these extra pads and I'm spending 400, $500 to make sure my kid is equipped to play goalie for a lacrosse team when he's 11 years old. And it's fine. That's great. That's, you know, but there are kids out there that there's no way they can play lacrosse because they, they can't afford to get a stick. Um, we need to change that. We need to do something about that. That needs to be something where, as a society, we make a decision to invest in our kids so that they have these experiences with sports that that, that will propel them into a better life. And that's what ShareWaves wants to do. We we, we just want to find partners uh, that are out there that believe like we do, help promote their causes through our radio station. You know, this this relationship with 810... Allows us to broadcast messages throughout the you know city, um, at least into the sports fans' minds, about uh, what's happening with our kids and what's happening with youth sports. And so uh, that's what Shareways is is trying to do: is leverage that uh, access to to the to the airwaves um, and and share those airwaves so that we can uh, make make a difference in kids' lives.
0: And yeah, for those of you listening, there's a link in the show notes, sharewavesfoundation.org. Now, you know, Bill, here we are, man. We we raced through another episode of Startup Hustle. It's like start talking about the things we're passionate about and the things that make a lot, make a difference for yeah. us. Well, yeah, right, true. We might have to do another episode. And by the way, it's funny cause we're here on Startup Hustle, your dad who, who, and I, and I don't mind sharing this cause it's, it's on the internet. Your dad who, uh, and Metaflex, who exited to uh, Cardinal Health in 2008 for, you know, just a small amount. It was a yeah, $490 okay. million just a couple bucks here and there. One of the bigger acquisitions in Kansas city history. And then given the fact that that was 2008, you know, like I, and I, I know, how, you know, Watson, Watson's Venn solution exit in 2012 was a big one. And that was only 150 million bucks. Oh, so, the back you know,
1: backlog cars is just true. Is just, well, you t- cool. well, let's,
0: let's actually talk about that for a quick second. Cause you know, that went backlot cars is, and there is an episode in our feed titled "Backlot cars where I sat down and talked about what, what to with Josh Parsons about what we're doing. And we had a simple conversation. We talked about online marketplaces and a lot of different stuff. Now, uh, the day that that news came out, I sent him a text and I said, I said, wow, man, congrats. And he literally replied. He said, actually, if you could thank Watson for for blazing the trail for autosoft and, you know, automotive software. So you look at it, but here's the thing. It's like Venn solutions, which my business partner, Matt Watson was one of the co-founders of it. Like you talk about how you can, you can plant a flag in a community and it spawns all these different things. So it, in many ways it made Kansas city, a. uh, uh, it's been, So we have auto alert, which is another huge company, Backlot cars and all these things kind of spin off of it. And, and with what Mr. K did, and every and you and you, and, the and, slide, and slide all of that, so slide
1: games with the Big Five was <clears throat> that was just huge for our city. And that's that's a perfect example of how a city took on purpose and established five big goals for the city and 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 pushed What were they?
0: I, I've never even heard that. That's crazy. Oh well, um, like
1: investing in investing in in entrepreneurial energy was one of them. It, it's um, mm-hmm. moving the conservatory downtown was one of them. I mean, it, it doesn't matter really what they were, Matt. It matters that they were established, and we all you know got together to try to figure out how to make them happen it's it's sometimes it's it's the journey that is the the key to the successful endeavor with purpose it's not what the purpose is it's how you are trying to achieve that purpose that that benefits success a lot of times entrepreneurs will talk will will, will start off going in one direction with their Purpose and their focus on their business, and they have to pivot really quickly into something different. And all of a sudden, you know, Katie bar the doors. The pivot was the perfect thing to do, because purpose led them into that space and and allowed them to make that shift and and prepared them for it. Um, you know, it's w- one thing for Metaflex to go out with with this energy of we're out there saving lives, but when when we we got to a certain level, we decided we had to change our name. We wanted to go. Um, international metaflex was already being used by someone else. You've you pulled up a metaflex that's not even the metaflex that, that I worked for. N- nothing to say, I mean, that's just Google, you know. But, um, we, <laughs> um, we oops, that's okay. No, it's, <laughs> it's how it is, but if, if, if you know, we by going through the process of changing our name and establishing who and what we were and what we were trying to do it changed everything for the company and all of a sudden we went from a 27 28 million dollar business to a 155 million dollar business in 5 years and then we sold for you know like you said we had the 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 the, the great exit um, I, you know I, I would just say that as as we kind of work through this you just never know where you're going to find yourself The path for purpose leads you to things that you would never even imagine as a a leader. And that's what I tell Chad Boger all the time. I said, we don't know where ShareWaves is going to take us, but it's a journey we have to go on together and we have to get this whole organization behind this idea that we are going to transform youth sports. If they do that, if they choose to do that as an organization, if, if each radio show gets behind the idea that we're going to transform youth sports, then all of a sudden we find ourselves in opportunities that we wouldn't have been in normally. And it, that's how you drive business. And that's how you drive you know, success.
0: You know, one of the things that I've always, uh, when it comes to giving that it was several years ago that someone brought up and it was actually a Buddhist mentality. It said that the highest form of giving is, is that without an expectation of return. And, you know, and, and ever since I had heard that, uh, you know, it's, well, that that's key for the quote, anonymous, the truly anonymous donor. And, you know, and I've always encouraged people to take that approach. You know, if you give without the expectation of return, meaning like you make a donation and you're not expecting to get something out of it, you're you're, you're
1: it's, it's time, talent and treasure. It's not just true treasure. Right. And and you're giving of your time every single week with Startup Hustle. And that is leading you into conversations that you would never normally have. And that purpose that you have established in your life that you're going to do the startup hustle every week has allowed you to meet incredible people and do incredible things and have incredible relationships and, you know, be successful in your business because it, it helps. Promote-
0: I've, I've enjoyed it so much. I actually host three shows a week now. There you go, I'm, up three, I'm up to three a week and, and we let some other people take in there. But but that's true. You know, it's and you mentioned that and, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a minute. But, you know, when we got to, we just had our 400th episode, which passed with no fanfare or, or special or special like episodes at 300, we, we denoted it. But it was at 300, I, I talked to my wife and she said, man, you know, you you still doing this i said you i am just it is just so amazing that like i i i enjoy it so much because i get to talk to folks like you I, get, I mean just like you said just the people that that i've talked to that i normally would maybe not have a reason to talk to me or they'd be doing something else and to have the ability to have well, to first off to uh, we, we created this whole thing, Matt and I, Watson and I, because we wanted to complain about being entrepreneurs, <laughs> but then, but then past that, we wanted to share the quote, real story of entrepreneurship. Right. And that real story is brutal. It's about, wait, it's about, okay, here, what's life like people are like, what's it like being an entrepreneur or a startup founder? Okay. I wake, I often wake up at three in the morning wondering if I'm going to go crazy. If I've already gone crazy, if I'm going to go broke if it if every decision I've made is wrong. And you know, like that's it. And then you know, being an entrepreneur means waking up at nine a.m. feeling like you're going to take over the world. At noon, you're ready to give it, give back, give it back. Just take it all, take it all. Light a match and run away. And then by three o'clock, you're back to you're back to oh my gosh, we're about world domination. We're going to do it. It's finally going to happen. So, and, and if you it. if you can't handle that ride, and by the way, I I'll be honest with you, ninety nine percent of people I know can't. And that's okay. That's okay. But it is brutal. Like if you have dog years, you have entrepreneur years too. So I've been an, I've been an entrepreneur for a decade and a half. And that makes me in, in, in stress and anxiety years, I'm like 350, but you know.
1: You know what, though, no, Matt, you're a leader, and and that's that, that's never going to leave you. And you've been a leader your whole life. So whatever you know, you, you've taken what God has give, given you, and you've applied it to 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 your life in a way that that um, allows you to be happy and provide for your family and and do the things that you want to do um, with the life that you have, um, and you impact people. So um, that's a really good way to lay your head down on the pillow every night, right? Um, and, and if you're up at three in the morning worrying about what you're gonna do the next day, that's because you, you've got this passion that is driving you to to in, in improve every single day. And, and that's what purpose-driven is all about. It's it's really giving your employees something to show up for every single day, giving them a reason for being, a reason for, you know uh, you know, th- when you talk to someone who's a purpose transformation specialist, they'll ask you what's your why, what's your why, you know, and, and it really is. It's a personal why, but it's also a corporate why. And, um, and it is harder than, than you think always. Um, and it's one of those things where with, even with share waves, you know, we've achieved some level of success. I, c- I can't get funding. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of COVID and and I never established a, a large donor base that, that, that were, were supporting me. And, and so at this point, um, trying to ask people to give to something new is, is, is really not, that's just not, it's hard. Um, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's hard. Uh, we are coming up with a pretty Cool campaign, we're gonna give away 100,000 pairs of Bomba socks to kids in need throughout the city. And we're going to ask Kansas city to help us do that. So um, in the next, you know, two weeks, I'm announcing a really cool campaign to give away over a million dollars worth of Bomba socks to, to kids in Kansas city, um, working with the community service league of greater Kansas city, which was established by best Truman in like 1914 and um, you know, really um, impacting kids with socks, but also raising money for, for um, establishing uh, Sharewaves and um, its capacity to, to make a difference in this community, and and um, and I just wanted to make sure I shared that with everyone and let everyone know that uh, look look for this campaign. It's called the Bomba Sock Blast. The Bomba.
0: Yeah. Sock it, blast. And you can make a donation to Sharewaves at, at their site, and there's a link for that. And, you know, but there's one thing. You know, so we usually end the the startup hustle episodes with founders freestyle. I'm gonna do that for a second. And I wanted to, I wanted to, and I'll hand the mic over to you in a moment. But you know, there's one thing that you know you mentioned that waking up at three in the morning and and that feeling. Uh, it's not because I'm worried about going broke because I'll always figure that out. I've learned that I know how to make money. It's for me. It's a. It's not want to let people down. And I think mm-hmm. that that's if you want to have it if you want to build a purpose-driven culture in your business, you got to build a sense of belief in your people that they believe in you as well. And I, and I think it starts with with that feeling. And like you got to if you it, it, it's it's hard to it, it it takes a little bit, but you really have to begin to believe that and know that when you help everyone else get what they want that you will find that you get the things that you want. And, and that starts with literally just asking the people that are involved with what you do, Hey, what, what is it that you really want to get? Like, what do you want? What are you looking to get out of life? It's different for everyone. You know, everyone has, has a different, has a different why with that. So as, as, as threatened or mentioned, uh, we end episodes with the Founders Freestyle and yet another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by FullScale.io, where we very much have a purpose-driven culture and our client obsessed So, reach out and give us a shout. Reach out to ShareWaves and make a donation um, and, you know, like the 100,000 pairs of socks. That's crazy. I was sitting here trying to think about how big that is, like how much 400 space. 400
1: cases. 400 cases of socks. It's, it's it's it's
0: bigger than the room I'm in probably. But so so, Bill, as a, in the founders freestyle. What's the, what's the one thing that you've learned with starting Chairwaves that is a universal lesson for entrepreneurs or our business leaders in any community?
1: Well, that's a great question. I I'm, uh, I am I'm really honored to be a part of the show, Matt, and and I really appreciate your time. And 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 I'm not sure if anyone's going to get anything out of this, but. Um, really it's,
0: I, up, <laughs> I ask that every episode, it's okay.
1: <laughs> I wake up, I wake up every day, you know, asking God, where would he have me in, 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 in trying to figure out if I can navigate my life to show up, um, for, for, for that. Um, it's part of my recovery and it's part of what I believe in, but, you know, I, I think, you know, what is it I'm meant to be? You know, what does God have planned for me? Where am I supposed to go with this? You know, and I know that I'm, You know, I'm white privilege, super blessed, you know, so many things to be grateful for. And my response has got to be service. I've got to find a way to serve uh, this this world in, in a way that impacts it and, and makes a difference. And Shareways allows me to do that. It's not the only thing that I'm concerned about. And if you were to ask me what is my biggest concern in in this world today, I would say, you know, outside of raising you know healthy, uh, you know, successful kids and and being a good husband, it, it's. What's happening to kids during COVID and the mental health issues that are that are out there and the trauma that they're experiencing and um, the breakdown in their family, um, you know, life because of COVID and um, I think those are much more critical than getting kids involved in sports. Although, you know, you know we could debate it, but. Um, there's a lot of people in pain out there and entrepreneurs are the ones that solve the problems. We're the ones that think of the solutions. We come up with the ideas. We, we have the thoughts that other people don't have and we're driven to try to do something about them. Um, you know, what's really important is to create a culture and a a collaborative effort of, of talented people that, that you can drive into your vision and into your, into your passion and, and into your purpose. And, um, And that's a little harder to do because you have to set up um, mechanisms for people to get involved in what you believe in. You have to be able to articulate your purpose in a clear way. And um, so um, impacting lives with the power of sports is a great purpose. Um, We're going to impact lives with the power of sports. Well, how are you going to do that? And then how are you going to get other people to join your team uh, to help you do that? Uh, easier said than done and that's why it's so hard and that's why i love entrepreneurs because they problem solve they figure shit out and and then they move forward and and they incorporate uh talented people into their into into their process so um encourage entrepreneurs to continue to to uh to do what they do and and uh in you know people like you continue to support them and help them navigate this thing cuz uh there's going to be a lot of problems to solve in the next uh you know you know, in our lifetime. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think that's well, well said and, you know, I'll, I'll parlay off that a little bit. And I think that, you know, look at what you're good at or the platform that you've built or the different things. And, you know, I'll share an example. So. You know Lauren Conaway, who's the uh, has a weekly show on Startup Hustle now, and she's the the founder of Innovate Her KC, which is a women's entrepreneurship group uh, here in Kansas City that's grown to thirty five hundred members. And you know, like part of part of my offering to her is like, hey, I could donate to your business, but how about I teach you how to. How to, how to fish in many ways. And Lauren will be the first person to say that she's so busy w- at being a servant leader that sometimes she stops to ask for a donation and stuff like that. And so I'll, get, I'll give you an example. So, I, I mean, I've got a lot of people that I'm, that I'm connected to on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff like that. And I said, Lauren, it's about asking for what you want. So I set up. I, I said, "Let me give you an example." And I literally I set up a fundraiser on Facebook, and I said, "I showed her how to ask for what she wanted." And the byproduct was we've raised about two thousand dollars in donations for for innovate her, and that and that's just a simple example of you know like look I, I mean okay a hundred dollars of that was mine you know the rest of it came from a community so there's I a gave, level of uh, you, some, uh, you did yeah and and you know and thank you and <laughs> but you see the you know that that's the no, point not, of that. That so you know all you have to do is ask sometimes, so you know I want to challenge everyone that 's listening like how can you how can you ask those around you to chip in to help and that and like you mentioned and and uh it's time, talent, and treasure, and you don 't catch me quoting the Catholic Church every day, uh, which is okay, but that 's where I originally heard that the time talent and treasure, but those are those are three ways that you can. Provide for any organization, and that's the things that you need at your own organization to get moving. So, for those of you listening, go check out Sharewaves Foundation. Uh, you can find a link in the show notes. They have a donation tab on where they're at. I think we're going to do a follow up because I want to learn about the logistics about how you gave away a hundred thousand pairs of socks.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> do it. so
0: with that, with that, I'm going to let you go, and I'll catch up with you after you've given those away. Yeah. Th- okay. Thanks, Bill.
1: Thanks, Matt. Take care. Startup
0: hustles brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: no do it do it, like we do it, like we do
0: it.